Welcome back to Top 5 Disco. I'm Josh. And I'm Adam. And we are back delving deeper into the discography of Weezer. Before we begin, if you're a fan of the show, please take a second to subscribe and rate the podcast. We love to keep Top 5 Disco going and growing, and your support and engagement will help make that happen. Last week, we discussed the band's commercial and controversial fifth album, Make Believe. This week, we're going to talk about their third eponymous record, the experimental smorgasbord, The Red Album. Here we go. So Make Believe, as much as you just heard about how we feel about it, it went platinum. I mean, this was a huge album. Uh, the band actually it went... Ha- it had to be Beverly Hills. I just, I'm saying it had to it be that. It couldn't have been We Are All On Drugs. Does anyone like that well, song? Well, Perfect Situation, you said, was also yeah. a hit of theirs, right? I think so. Well, Which I didn't people know. who I know are, who are not big Weezer fans know that song. So in my opinion, that makes it a That's bigger crazy single. to me. But still, come on. Also, uh, oh God, the Perfect Situation music video is like Rivers trying to be like cool guy, rock star. I, I hate it. It's a bad video. Interesting. Okay, so Make Believe goes platinum. They actually go on another hiatus. Uh, Rivers goes back to school to graduate finally. Yeah. He graduates Phi Beta Kappa, which is amazing. Smart guy. Uh, he gets married to his wife, Kyoto, who he's known for... 10 plus years. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Uh, besides that, there's not much else I know about this period except that it's very clear that the band started getting experimental again. Like, when I say experiment, like, they are trying new things. Whether or not they all work, they are really... I listen to Red Album and I think they're trying. They are really trying some stuff yeah, here. Yeah, to me, uh, Green Album is the only album where they don't seem to be trying new things. Like, even Make Believe... You have violin, you have a piano that's written just on piano. Guitar harmonics. A song written just on piano. Exactly, harmonics. So yes, this is their most experimental album for sure. Yes. And it's such a difficult album because it's got some of their best songs, I guess. Yes, And some of their absolute worst. It's such a mixed bag. Yeah. So this album, let's get a little bit in the facts, uh, came out in June of 2008 a little over 10 years ago uh, at the recording of this podcast. Another album that's uh, over 40 minutes, again, not too long, but 10 songs again, mm-hmm. uh, produced by a couple people, both Rick Rubin and Jackknife Lee, who's a big pop producer. And um, some and of them were self-produced. Right, right, right. And also on the record sleeve, it even says for the Rick Rubin ones, Rick Rubin and Weezer. Because I think at a point, he just stopped showing up. Which we, th- there has now been multiple podcast that we've talked about rick rubin sort of not showing up yeah which is kind of sad it sounds like that's part of his style is exactly. just to be completely out of it and just like give or his to, opinions or be there at times in the in the beginning and then not yeah. be i don't know but i'm i'm glad that they at least allowed themselves to put their names as like rick rubin and weezer yeah. like they're like he did not do all this we had to do a lot of this ourselves so whether or not this was because of the huge success of make believe in beverly hills or just because maybe Pork and Beans was kind of a hit, uh, this went to number four. That's that's good for 2008 when rock is not a thing anymore on the yeah. radio. Okay, the other three that they were under were Usher, uh, actually Disturbed, which is a metal. I guess is a big metal undercurrent. And now 28. <laughs> like what? Like this is the, the the pop landscape. Yeah. And Weezer came out with a number four album. It's kind of crazy. I think also still Weezer is Weezer. They still have people who are waiting for the next Weezer album and they they're, again they're a big were, name. And it was 3 years later. So again, I feel like you know we were even talking about I keep going back to our Counting Crows podcast, but it's easy cuz I know them and and we just talked about them, but we were talking about for Saturday nights and Sunday mornings how we were wondering why that was so high up on the charts, but it was an, after another big high 
hiatus and like maybe there's all just of this the waiting undercurrent this yeah, bubbling yeah, yeah, yeah exactly and they're like okay we gotta listen I don't but really... I wonder if just like after Pinkerton or after Green, people were like, oh, but there's that album before. Like after Make Believe, where, where Weezer are like a big stadium rock pop force again, if people were like, oh God, or but they're still excited by it. I don't know. So again, this yeah. is like during my Weezer fandom, like again, I may, I remember I remember Beverly Hills coming out and We Are All on Drugs coming out and being like, uh, what? This is the same band that did Blue? Like to me, that was... Yeah. So I was sort of... Red Album was a very exciting time to be a Weezer fan because they were interesting again. They were really, really interesting. I find that this album, they are taking so many risks and I respect it so much. They also are introducing a lot more hip-hop into mm -hmm. their music, both in his vocal style, in some of the drum beats, the production at times. Um, they're I'm not curious. Do you think that's because of the success of Beverly Hills? And do you not like that or do you appreciate it? I appreciate it. Sometimes. There's a couple... It's. I don't know. <laughs> I know. But to me, nothing on this album reads like what they were trying with Beverly Hills at all. These feels oh, for way sure. more No, earnest. absolutely. I'm just saying, so, hey, Beverly Hills maybe so, was like, hey, that's we can fair. do this, and now they try this, that a little bit more. This album both feels like they're not taking themselves very seriously. I mean, look at the album cover. It's so goofy. I know. But also, it has some of the most emotional and personal songwriting in a decade. Like, they actually have like really earnest singing on a lot of these songs. Lyrically, like at times, blows Make Believe, oh. Green Album. Oh my God, out of the water. Totally. Out of the water. It also is very well produced. Yeah. This is the same guy, like Rick, what, what? This this sounds like a Weezer album, despite being like nothing. But like again, their Rick other only albums. did some, and I don't know who's mixing the entire Fair album. Fair enough. But know? like the we the chunky heavy Weezer guitar is there, but they're they're trying bold bold things, and it's just it's just night and day to go yeah. from make believe to red. Like this album, we are only halfway through the discography, and to go from blue to Pinkerton to Green to Maladry to make believe to red is such a roller coaster. Such a I'm roller so coaster. excited by this. Yes. Um, Let's talk about, I mean, what do you think? What do you think about Red? I think I said it all already. It's extremely experimental. They have some of my favorite songs of Weezer's catalog and some of my least favorite songs of Weezer's catalog. Some of their worst lyrics, some of their best lyrics. It's just an insane disparity between those two groups of but songs. But you know what's weird? I feel the same exact way, but it's kind of endearing. Like, to me, I have way more positive feelings about this album than negative feelings. Yeah. I think... Even if a, there are some definite failed experiments, I think it's easy it's, to feel that way because something like Make Believe is just, in my opinion, an, an entire album of bad songs. So you get Red, and even if it's half of them or four or three or whatever are bad songs, you still have these other ones, and it's like, oh, okay, this is kind of an exciting album. It's going all over the place. We didn't even talk about yeah. <laughs> exper experimental-wise, experimentation. Yeah, not only do they have two of their longest songs on here, they have two songs that are like multi-part suites. They've got hip-hop songs. Rivers lets the other band members sing lead on three and out of ten of these Rivers songs. Rivers plays drums on two songs. Right. Pat plays guitar. It's very cool. It's different, and... It's a very special album in their catalog. I'm so glad that it exists. I totally agree. And so many, like a good amount of B-sides that came out of it, which Great. I would have put for 
in place of all the shitty songs, we, we'll talk about that. There it's are, crazy there, to me. There are a lot of people who basically say switch out the three non-River songs with Pig, Miss Sweeney. I disagree and, uh, with some of that. I agree too. Because there's, yeah, we'll talk I, about that. I agree with what you just said. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But anyway. Top five. Uh, top five. I'll start it off. My number five pick is Troublemaker. Wow. Oh. I know. I, I knew you would like that song. Yep. You knew I wouldn't like that song? Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. Oh. Number five oh, for me is higher. Automatic. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Automatic. Okay. Okay. This is this is going to be weird. Interesting. My number four is Pork and Beans. My number four is also Pork and Beans. Okay. My number three pick is Dreamin'. Mm. My number three is The Angel and the One. Okay. My number two is The Greatest Man That Ever Lived. My number two is Troublemaker. Okay. My number one song is The Angel and the One. Are you kidding me? My number one song is The Greatest Man That Ever Lived. Okay. All right. It's a little weird, but we're going to start off with Adam's number five pick, which is Automatic, a song written by and sung by Pat Wilson, the drummer. How can I reach out and hold on to the joy you've got inside? Hey, it's automatic when you know it. Hey, it's automatic when you feel it. I think that from start to finish, this is a very, very solid song i love pat's vocals i think he's a great singer and i just was like it's interesting on the verses i think he sounds a little why am i going to but the chorus he sounds so fucking rocking to me he just sounds like a, a lead vocalist like it's, it's like i'm interested to check out the special goodness do you know that one song that was on the punkorama no only life oh, that's so interesting is that him fast. but does he sing lead vocals yeah. oh crazy in, it, in your eyes yeah so Rivers is on drums here, which is very interesting to me because he also plays on Brian's song, Thought I Knew. And his drums on that song, which we'll talk about when we get there, are very sloppy. His drums on this one sound great. Also, Pat's guitar playing sounds good. Like, the, I think the only solo on this record is this song, and it's so good. I love the piano chords in the verses uh, it's over like the drone bass. It's a nice melody. I need some time to remember. Need some time to remember. Boom, boom, and great passion. Such a sick chorus. So huge. I love those. So meaty. I love the guitar sound. The distorted bass and whatnot. And that guitar 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 line. I don't even know it's a harmonic. That. Oh, we're talking about different things. What are you talking about? I'm talking about when he goes. Oh, in the bridge, the yeah, whatever that kind of thing yeah, is, it's crazy. But that. just in that chorus, I love that. It's automatic when you know it. And then the outro of the song is also great with that guitar picking and Scott's moving up on the bass, just diddling all over the place. He, and I love his. It's super shimmery and sunny. Yeah. It's beautiful. Ooh, 
remind you so much of Pulp Fiction by Motion City Soundtrack. Whoa. Yes. I love bringing it back to our other artists. Oh, yeah. But I never thought about that. That's great. And what's so nice is that the song is just about the tremendous love he feels for his family. family. I, this, it sounds like, I mean, looking at your list, this is the best of the three non-rivers oh, by far. By far. Uh, it just feel. it just really works. I just, I'm proud of Pat. Me too. Um, and I like this I like the I, sound of the song. Yeah. It's so rocky. I, it makes it's me want to check out his side project. It's Special different goodness. than I think any of the other songs, even the rocky ones, even like Troublemaker, even Pork and Beans. This has just a different this feel to is it. It's more maladroity in terms of its kind of metal spacey yes. kind of guitars. And what's interesting is Pat also wrote In the Mall, which is on the next album, which also is more kind of distorted guitars. Don't we'll, get me started. We'll get to that We'll get to that song. But uh yeah. All right, next we're going to talk about our collective number four pick and the first lead single off the Red Album, Pork and Beans. So as I said before, this song and the music video that went along with this song, it didn't get me to check out all of Weezer's discography or maybe even this entire album, but it did sort of remind me, hey, there's a band Weezer. And (laughs) and it was just a song that I was definitely into. And when I got back into it, diving into this record, it was high on my list, like high. It was one, I think, at one point. And it wow. slowly kept kind of trickling back down to a a, a good spot. <laughs> Is that because it sort of the, that it just sort of wore off on you, or because the other songs were heightened? Um, I think I was realizing that it was mainly the chorus of this song that was just like, holy shit, I love this so much. And like the bridge is fine. The verses are like quirky and fun, but it was just like some of these other songs were just so much more of like masterpieces and interesting and and that kind of thing. So, but that being said, this was written after, I don't know what track list they had like i don't know what maybe b-sides now were on the album but they brought this to geffen the album the album to geffen and they were like we need hits these are not hit singles which in one sense i'm like fuck you they were trying to make this more experimental album but then rivers wrote pork and beans and troublemaker both after that meeting and i clearly love both of those songs And what's interesting is the lyrics of this song are so directly related to Rivers basically being like, I don't want to be told what to do. You're trying to, you know, make us write these singles so we can be cool again, which is this is where it starts to be like, Rivers, what do you want? Right. Do you really do you want to write? uh, I can't tell. Do you want to write Beverly Hills to reach? Or are you actually being sincere? Like you wanted to write this experimental album because he talks about you don't want to write. He talks about using Timbaland to go to the top of the charts, which I don't think they've ever worked with Timbaland, but they work with people like him. And then the next album, it's like they completely and this is just a start because there are other moments where Rivers is yeah he he talks out of both sides of his mouth basically. But anyway, musically, the song as a whole, an iconic acoustic riff, as simple as it is, and you know, you alluded earlier to. Da Vinci kind of being a ripoff of El Scorcho. This still sounds El Scorcho-y to me in that do do ding I don't know if I was saying that it was related to El Scorcho. It was, it oh, was, in terms of that guitar riff? 
No, it was. I think it was a different thing that okay, I was saying. But enough. I do know that you and I have spoken, and you said that. What's interesting is I think Da Vinci and pork and beans are much more closely related than El Scorcho and either of them. Even though I recognize the acoustic sort of riff that then gets picked up more right, in the chorus, right. but the verses are fun and quirky. This is the most produced they've been so far. Getting those like ah yeah. And you kind of hear that it sounds like a record skipping, which I love that warm sort of crackly yes. sound with it. Uh, again, the verses are nice. Like I like them. There's not much to say about them. They're kind of nice and it's quirky. It's all about that it's chorus. It's all about that chorus. So huge. Which is so Chunky. clearly, Ugh. which I love. I, I actually love how much he's like, you want to hit? You want to hit? Here's the fucking hit. We're going to make it sound exactly like, like Buddy Holly in terms of they double his vocals which I feel like they didn't do it all in make believe. Right. I don't even I can't even think back to Maladro. I don't know if they did, but that's such a sound from Blue Album going and going back to those chuggy chords. And and people loved it. Again, this is not that long ago. This is about 10 years ago. I remember yeah. this coming out and everyone loving it. Yeah. Not just critics, my friends, the mainstream, what what have you. Everyone loved Pork and Beans and it's a really good song and the video is an important part of that song because yes. the video sort of collected again this is sort of i don't want to say web 1.0 but sort of right as youtube was like at its height of uh popularity in terms of like meme videos yeah they just took all these characters from different famous youtube videos of the earl of the mid 2000s and put them all in the video and, it, and that video became this really popular video and they yeah, sort of huge again weezer and the internet go hand in hand and it's, it's very interesting. interesting to see them use youtube in that way and sort of really play into uh that sort of generation of of mixed media it's, yeah this had to be a huge again obviously Three years prior, there was Beverly Hills. So I can't say it's like a Weezer resurgence because it's not like they were doing something like Maladroit that to me and to you, I guess, didn't really get picked up. But still, to have this song, they're still, they're keeping up with... What's nice about Red, though, is right they have a song like this, but then I can talk to my friends, but like, did you hear Greatest Man? Did you, yeah. did you hear this? Like, yeah. listen to this song. It's crazy. We keep talking about the chorus. I just have to sing that part because I need to specify what is so good, but it's... I ain't gonna wear the clothes that you like. I'm fine and dandy with the me inside. And whoever's doing the backgrounds, I don't know if it's Scott or if it's Brian. It's so good. And there is something just about that part that gets me every time. It's just, no pun intended, it's such a meaty, hooky song. And I <laughs> love it. I just love it. It's such a perfect little nugget. Yes. Next, we're gonna go to my number three pick, Dreamin'. I'm This song was... I am so surprised this is not on your list. Because to me, it is a very adventurous, experimental song for them that I thought you'd be all over. I'm kind of curious why it didn't. The thing is that I, I used to love... I still do love this song. It, this and Automatic were fighting for each other. I think that this has moments that are just like... I get you're trying to go for something different. I don't really like it. And Automatic, mm -hmm. again, as a whole, from start to finish, feels, feels okay. like everything flows very well. Like I also wanted to give Pat some props. But Fair enough. Definitely, it was between Automatic and Dreamin'. 
And yeah, for the longest time, there was something about Dreamin' that I did keep going back to, even if I didn't love the middle section, which is probably the most experimental part of it. The best part of the song. The best part of it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Oh, yes. But there's something about the main part of the song, verse, chorus, that comes, that bookends, I guess, this sort of more experimental part that we're referencing that still goes back to their classic sounding. I don't know if it's "Waiting on You," the B side from Pinkerton, or just something in. There's still something. It's like there's something still kind of going back to that. Maybe not duopy, but the older songwriting, '50s, '60s, that kind of thing. Before we get into any of that, you know how we were talking about in the last album, the end of "Damage in Your Heart." It's like this very beautiful kind of ambient. Yes. The intro to the song is beautiful. It's like very which slow, comes ambient. back at the end of "Angel and the One." Oh yes, I like that sort of thematic. Yes, there's there's a, a through line, but but the, you're right. The dreaming chorus to me is just like classic Weezer power pop gold. It's just so hooky and catchy. It's so simple, but there is I love still, it. That's the thing. I can't tell. Even because even though I know that song so well, there are times when I'm like, there are aspects of this melody that I love and there are other aspects that are so hokey. And also the lyrics, I'm dreaming in the mor- morning, I, I'm dreaming all through the day. And when I'm dreaming, I know that it's okay. I get that. I I'm get dreaming that. in the evening, I'm dreaming all through the night. And when all I'm dreaming, right. I know that it's all right. <laughs> the best part of this melody is... Dreaming all through the day. But I also just like how it's structured in terms of dreaming in the morning, dreaming all through the day. When I'm dreaming and know it's okay. Like it gets a little more. Yes. And I love that classic Rivers. Which comes back. Oh, okay. We'll talk L- about Listen it. to me. Listen to me. <laughs> this is a, a hyperbolic statement, but this is one of my favorite Weezer moments as well. Just listen to this bridge breakdown. Why am I so There are absolutely aspects of it that are good. It builds Brian's so part well. is so lame. And I've never liked Brian's voice. And it's mostly cringy here. The part where he goes, Why am I so glad? Why am I so glad? Why am I? And then it goes into the crunching. I do like I that too. I am running I am through the meadow. Yeah. It's so awesome. To me, it is a really weird, weird part of this song, this album, this career. It's very cool. And it, again, it goes along with the experimentation that they're doing. And then they go into this out of nowhere kind of strange, punky end. But that just makes it more alluring to me. Something about, it's, you know, it's funny. There are definite times. What's the punky end you're talking about? I don't want to get with your program. Oh, man, you have missed the best part of this song. Which is the slowed down version, which is going back to oh, the, 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 things the like chorus. Blue Album, Pinkerton. This is my favorite moment. It gives me chills when I hear it. Something about the left ear guitar that comes in with the... Oh, I did miss the best part because the best part is when he's going, ooh, ooh, 
oh, so good. And the chords are changing. There's yes, so much here. I agree. I, how did I forget this? Oh, I, how did I forget this? I don't honestly? know. It's I, this, so this good. song definitely could have been it's on my so top cool. five. It's just like a band that just came out with Make Believe putting out a song like, yes, you're right. The lyrics are a little iffy, but just listening to Dreamin', it's such a cool band. It's a cool song. It's yeah. just really interesting songwriting that I really respect. I agree. Next, we're going to go to the second single off the album, uh, my number five pick, Adam's number two song on the Red Album, Troublemaker. I am surprised. I am very surprised. I am surprised this is, so this high. is as low as it is for you. I always thought that this was like Josh Central. I still like it. It's on my. I mean, for I sure. love it. I not this just like song it, I love has it. elevated for me. Clearly, Again, I had lyric, no idea. Lyrically, when you gave me a look when I said at five, I thought you were like, "Oh, you put this song on." I didn't no, realize this no, was no. so high for you. I think this is a great song, and another one that came out of this. Like, we need you to write hits. This isn't as hitty, so to speak, <laughs> as pork and beans, but it's so cool that it's so lyrically driven. Oh, this yeah. is not a very musically, because again, mainly, except for, which I'll talk about, except for some very variations from verse to verse in little things that go on, maybe a couple chord changes that whatever. It's just a couple chords going back and forth throughout the entire song. It's two and the chords. fact it's that they chords. make it, the fact that they keep the interest throughout all that is a feat in and of itself. That is, that is a great point. This is hip hop rivers, but the lyrics are, I will say, at times cringy, but what? always engaging. What, oh, what's cringy to you? Marrying a biatch, having seven kiads. Are you kidding me? There's something about the, <laughs> the way he's saying that that I love it. Oh it's addictive. Oh my God. That being said, there are some really fun, goofy, but things that I love. Like, you wanted arts and crafts. How's this for arts and crafts? That's right. It's that I love. There are so many little pieces that he will... Gonna be a rock star and you are gonna bear with me because I can't work a job. Who needs books? They're all for petty crooks. Like, they're very interesting lyrics. There is so much attitude it's so swagger so much attitude that i love it i can't stop singing it it's addictive and then you have the sort of gang style chorus vocals that i always love that they're it's hearkening back again to blue and pinkerton which that aside whether or not he's trying to use these tropes so to speak of like their old uh discography i like it i mean that's obviously those are albums that I, I love. And specific, okay, the lyrics of the second verse, halfway through, I'm growing out my hair, I'm moving out to Cherokee, I'm going to be a rock star, and you are going to bear with me because I can't work a job like any other slob, punching in and punching out and sucking up to Bob, marrying a bitch, having seven kids, giving up and growing old and hoping there's a God. God damn, that is so good. You're saying that the biatch, kiad, the way he's singing it's that goofy. is maybe stupid. I find that to be so good, and especially when we're coming straight from make-believe, where everything is so cut-and-paste sounding. Also, Both, the bass. I love, yes. Scott all over here. I love the... Mm, yeah. Mm. And then I, third verse, 
when the chords change and they get kind of chromatic. It's so cool and they build up. And because I, I'm such a I special guy, the, the bridge, yeah, but uh, yeah, when they add those instruments That's and just it explodes. I read that this song was really influenced by Eminem. They were like really into sort of his vocal delivery and his rapping, and he's a great rapper. Uh, yeah, this is such a fun song. This is a party song. I love it. I love blasting this in my car. Why this was above Angel and the One? I'll never know. <laughs> I'm tr- I'm trying to sort of see why. There was obviously a reason I, I put it there. I think I just nowadays gravitate more towards this. Whereas when I got into Red Album initially five years ago, Angel and the One probably, not even probably, I think for sure was above Troublemaker. So again, these lists are always fluid. It's about what, what we enjoy in the moment. Right now, I am gravitating more towards troublemaker than angel in the one so it's wild because those songs couldn't be more different yeah <laughs> just in style in in lyrical cont everything it's just it, they're on the same album it's why it's wild oh the opener and the closer too yeah so speaking of next we're going to talk about adam's number three pick my number one hands down pick on the red album the closing track the angel and the one This is one of the crowned jewels of their later discography. And actually, this is sort of the mid-discography. Yeah. I love this song so, so much. I, it's, I'm like getting choked it's up. Very think, special. Think, it's very special. It's just such a so special song special. on every level. I love the lyrics to this song, the which we can get to are later. beautiful and relatable. And talk about, I just said... You know, I know you do not feel the same way about this song, but Haunt You Every Day was my favorite off Make Believe. This is like 1,000 times better than that, but I find them similar in terms of that climactic build. So, but this is just so sweeping. But what's nice about this build is that in Haunt You Every Day, everything sort of builds up to the chorus, and then it builds back up to the chorus. This song is just one big build from start to finish. There's no verse finish. chorus. There's no verse chorus. Supposedly, it started off as more of a verse chorus song, and I don't really understand. I would love to see literally the progression of how it got to here, but supposedly Rivers just kept playing it over and over until his fingers were hurting, and somehow it just bled into and blended into this one like stanza by stanza kind of song. These are some of River's best vocals ever because you get this unbelievably vulnerable sounding emotional softer side and then some of his best yelled vocals I've ever heard. This to me, I know the band sounds amazing, especially at the end, which we're not at yet, but they sound like they're at their peak here. And I just, it just... When this song comes on, literally nothing else matters to me. Mm. This is such a special song to me. The the uh, the drums sort of come in, creep in very slowly, very quiet. Pat does such a good job. It's very such similar, tasteful drumming to only in dreams in terms yes. of how Pat comes in with just a cymbal and then the snare slowly comes in. I love the walk down of the de- the descending chords, basically, and that turnaround. Mm-hmm. 
And him staying on that note again, it's like Slave, kind of, where he's staying on the, it's not my destiny to be the one that you will lay with. So many melodic nuggets in here. I yes. can't even, even something is, I feel a deeper peace. What I'm saying. And even before that, just how they build, I am honestly going to go back to Only in Dreams, which happens in a much shorter period of time, just in the intro of Only in Dreams, as things start to creep in. But how this song builds is so nice in terms of the guitar strums, the upstrokes that happen, and then eventually the drums get bigger, so, and then the strumming gets so a little harder. much of this is Pat. Not only is Pat a great drummer. It's actually interesting you say that. Not that it's not Pat, but I feel like it's everyone adding their things. I, I'm not trying to, 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 to take away from that. I'm just saying that Pat not only is a great drummer, he's a smart drummer. Tasteful. He, he's tasteful, and I don't mean that in like just a throwaway adjective. He knows when he should come in and where he should come in and what parts of the instrument I'm just realizing how great of a drummer he is especially on this song I'm not just talking about great fills and Pinkerton and like hearing him here is such a revelation in how you can be such a dynamic drummer yeah it's really interesting because he's not doing anything crazy but it's not about that he is he's doing the Ringo thing he is doing great point just what these songs need to round them out and also, another amazing vocal ascent from start to finish. He starts so low and soft, and then you get to the clip you just heard about, I'll take you there, my friends. Peace, 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 peace. It's just like all, it's an incredible. It's cathartic. It's climactic. Oh, and just them singing, peace, shalom. Oh, yeah. Peace, shalom. Peace, shalom. Never knew that's what he's singing. And the drums, the do, 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 do. Yes. Uh, lyrically, honestly, every single lyric on this song is great, but I'm not going to read through the entire thing. So I just wanted to pick out, there is another love that I would rather be obeying. I see the ecstasy and already I'm anticipating. I feel a deeper peace and that deeper peace is penetrating. I've got the magic in me. I am complete is what I'm saying. I'm flying up so high, my purple majesty displaying. I've reached a higher place that no one else can make a claim in. Damn. I mean, I, talk about r the rhyming of we are all on drugs, and then go to this. <laughs> My God. There's so much happening in both your ears. at the same. There's so much going on. The band sounds so great on this song, and I love that they let it drone on. The ambient, like, minute and a half, two minutes at the yeah. end, I actually love it. I never skip it. I just, like get wrapped up in the warmth of the it's a, synths. Because it's a come down. Because so you just were good. brought so high up to like the biggest climax of the album and now you need a cigarette. <laughs> That's pretty much <laughs> what that is. has only been played one time. Uh, one is there a recording of that? Time, not that I've seen. This is really, I remember listening to this for the first time and texting you about it five years ago. I'm like, this is Weezer? Like, this is such... For even all their discography before this, let alone how experimental this album is, this song is just like... It's next level. It really is such a special, meaningful song. And yeah, because you have both the unbelievable music 
uh, progression, composition, orchestration, tastefulness, the the soft, loud dynamic. You've got great vocals, both in the soft and loud. You've got great lyrics. Just everything comes together to like this unbelievable song and i just am so happy it exists yeah. in my life I, I love the angel and the one all right and finally we're going to talk about my number two pick adam's number one pick the epic sprawling multi-part the greatest man that ever lived So as we were talking through The Angel and the One, I definitely agree it is a more special song than Troublemaker, and I think it should be higher on my list, so I might make a slight revision right now to make that at number two, because usually I rank based on, like, my highest song will be, I could not live without that song. And I think in general, all of us, all Weezer fans, the, the mass public needs Angel the One more than Troublemaker. So I'm going to make a slight revision post uh, post discussing that. But anyway, but I will not put this higher than The Greatest Man That Ever Any Lived. Any other album. Any other album, Greatest Man would be the number one song. This song is insane. Insane for any insane. band. Insane. Okay. For any band. I wonder, and I'm not trying to uh, defer credit, I wonder if we've talked about the relationship between Weezer and Green Day, if they even have one. I wonder if they heard Jesus of Suburbia and Homecoming from American Idiot and were like, we could do that. We could do a multi-part eight-minute. That's interesting. Yeah. But it's still so different. Oh, because choral parts. There's so many different just, genre it's hops. That. It's that for the most part, they are sticking with the same chords and the same theme, but yes, genre hopping. They go through 10 different musical styles, let alone Weezer. For any band, this would be just an insane feat. This is such a cool song. Incredibly and I was, ambitious. I was it saying earlier insane. in the series that this was one of the first songs I had by Weezer, which is so weird, <laughs> but <laughs> like to have this as your foray into this band, but man, I think, it's, I think they have said, or it's been rumored, that every genre is specifically based off yep. another band yep. and whatnot. And we can talk about yes, that as we, we talk through it. But honestly, to get the most effect out of this, you have to listen to this song. But basically, starts off with a nice piano melody, which is the main melody. And then it goes into hip-hop. And then it goes into some sort of slipknot <laughs> version and then it goes into such a beautiful, they sentimental call it Jeff Buckley, Jeff Buckley yeah. Rivers. Oh, I'm gonna tear down the wall. May not be here when you come. Yes, so beautiful. And then it goes into this patriotic choral march, which is like, what? This is Weezer? It's crazy. And then they go into this Aerosmith sort of (laughs) piano-driven, and this is all still centered around the same theme. And then they go into one of my favorite parts, which is this Nirvana, quote-unquote, which I don't know how much this is really Nirvana. I hear more in his vocals than, yeah. This is just a fucking rocking version sung by Brian. You have to hear this.
Fuck yeah, Brian. That was <laughs> yeah, amazing. Great. And then as you heard, it bleeds into this jazzy thing that maybe Scott is kind of the lead vocalist there. I don't even know. But like, I think this is supposed to be based on the Andrew sisters. Don't know. Andrew sisters, I think they're that classic three-part harmony, like Christmas song medley oh, from like the 50s okay. and 60s that you'd hear. And then they go to the very slow version of the piano melody that you heard earlier in the song. And this is what they call the Green Day version, <laughs> which is very obvious once I actually saw Yo, that. Totally. And then they go into what harkens back to Beverly Hills, that whole... The vocal yes, uh, spoken that, word. Exactly. But supposedly this was uh, influenced by uh, some Elvis song. I guess there's a spoken word thing in an Elvis song. Anyway, then they go into what was always, it might still be, my favorite part which is this the choral choral three point counterpoint? I'm the greatest man. That you gotta, you gotta hear this. We were talking about how Rivers was, well, not even that. Rivers was just finishing up his time at Harvard. And I think, uh, and for classical composition, and I think he had a homework assignment that was actually to do something with this counterpoint. I and keep I think forgetting he used that he finished up his same degree before this album. That's so interesting. I never thought about that. So you get something like this, which is based off of Bach and Beethoven. To put that in here, this is like such a beautifully orchestrated vocal arrangement it's crazy and then they go into what they consider weezer weezer which is their fast i am the greatest yes. man that ever lived and there's something about the end of the song that just sounds so victorious and oh it's the drums so even if like songwriting wise in each part maybe angel and the one is like <laughs> above that this song as a whole the ability to string all of these parts together it's so well produced too this is the most experimental they have ever and will ever be i don't know i don't know how they can it's, ever it's another masterpiece it's another masterpiece this. on this album masterpiece this album is bookended by oh actually troublemakers the first song well i was gonna say bookended by two masterpieces yeah. but but yeah we've talked about and we'll get into some other songs after that this album is quote unquote a mixed bag but like you said earlier two of maybe more of the best songs ever like it is crazy how good greatest man is it is like i said earlier this is a song i would show people to to basically uh, not freak them out but to be <laughs> like to to be like you think you know weezer you think you know beverly listen hills to listen this. to what they just came out with three years later yeah it's wild amazing. wild stuff Okay, let's quickly run through the rest of the album we didn't pick for our top fives. We talked through the first three songs, Troublemaker, Greatest Man, and Pork and Beans. Then we get Heart Songs, which is, I like, I think I like the concept more than I like the song, to I be perfectly re- honest. I got where they were trying to go with the verses, and I was along for the ride for a second. Then the chorus. And then the chorus, and just, it honestly made me even hate that verse, because the second time the verse comes in... I like it so much less. I really hate this song. Whoa. I was not expecting that. The song is pretty 
shitty. I love the lyrics of the song. I think I think I get that a, you like the lyrics because it's it's such a a music fan. It's basically kind a of. conceptual uh, song about the artist that influenced Rivers as a songwriter, and. To, to just name drop all these artists and little things about them, whether that's album titles, things about their songs. They'll mention like, you know, Michael Jackson and then start playing certain bells. They'll mention uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen's like 80s album and do a cool drum thing. Like they're doing interesting stuff with the music when they mention different artists. I also love the concept. Maybe it's a little self-important, but I love the concept how eventually the song evolves into in the bridge Talks well, about themselves as well. The bridge musicians. first he talks about getting Weezer's Nevermind. You know, there's yeah. a baby on it. It was naked on it, and then he decides to getting Nirvana's Nevermind. Getting Nirvana's Nevermind. He decides to get into a rock band, and then basically Weezer happens, and he basically admits to now we write stuff that maybe are someone else's heart songs. I I really do like that concept, and so I don't hate this song at all. But it could have musically been much better, unfortunately. I so appreciate the lyrical attempt as an avid music lover. But it's way too explicit, and the chorus is just so ass. It was just such a failure. I kind of like a cloying it. Again, you were talking about how this is hip hop influenced. The whole album, Gordon Lightfoot sang a song about a boat that sank in the lake at the break of the morn. Joan Baez, I never listened to. I like that. I I actually like the rhythm. Rhythmic. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. But the chorus. These are the songs. These are my heart songs. They never feel wrong. Awful note. (laughs) And when I wake, for goodness sake, and every time he sings, these are the songs I keep singing, I always sing, ooh, baby, ooh, say it, ooh. Oh, my God. Sounds like the song I keep singing. (laughs) Yeah, I really, really it's interesting because it's not like every aspect of this song sucks, but the chorus really really sucks that's how i feel about a lot of make-believe songs so i hear you that's fair that's fair it's enough. almost worse than some of the make-believe yep no no the chorus no, sir. yeah well, I, I know i disagree oh boy let's get into the next uh gem here oh uh, everybody get dangerous this is another like troublemaker pretty rockin', groovy funky hip-hop flavor but the lyrics suck so bad on this song. When I was younger, I used to go and tip cows for fun. Yeah. Actually, I didn't do that because I didn't want the cow to be sad. <laughs> what? This is the lamest, most awkward chorus. The lamest chorus. I actually kind of like the verses besides the lyrics. It's got a down, 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 down. It's very it's different for them. It's funky. It's very like walk this way, run DMC version Ooh. in terms of, because you got the record it, scratch. And that's, you got the, that's a great point because it's guitar, a mix of bam. rock and hip hop. Yeah. Totally. That's interesting. Like we're evil forces. Hockey games on closing pounds. No safety pads were ever put on. Driving home on country roads. 65 in the Killed everyone of us. Everybody get dangerous. Everybody get dangerous. Oh, yeah. Everybody get dangerous. Everybody so there's, I guess, something kind of cool that I can appreciate about the rhythm of the verses, but I don't really care for the musical elements of it. I don't really care for the lyrics. And then this is right back to We Are All On Drugs. Everybody get dangerous. Everybody get dangerous. Booyah. It's like, shut up, Brian. Yeah. Come on. It's, Why give this to Brian? Brian already <laughs> doesn't do that much on these records. Why are you giving him this shit? It's such a bad chorus. And it's so sad because there are some interesting bridge melodies that they throw into this song and do not fit at all 
all. They do not fit. They can't and save they, the song. And they, it, it all centers around awful lyrics like, what will we say when our kids come to us and ask with a smile on their face, hey dad, my friend's got some new ninja swords. Is it cool if we slash... If we slash up this place. <laughs> what is the song? How did this? How did this come from the same man who wrote "Angel in the One"? And how just come on this album? This and heart songs could not have been replaced by some of their B sides. Great B sides off Red. Great B sides on Red, and really interesting songwriting on Red B sides, where he's imagining himself as a pig, as a spider. Like the the songwriting. Yeah, we'll get into those later. The end of this song. You know that sort of like percussion mm-hmm. breakdown. <laughs> Is that copying something, or is that just from this song? Because you know what's I, weird? it sounds maybe you'll, so maybe you'll hate me for familiar. saying this. It sounds like Counting Crows to me. The ending percussion. No, I'm just telling you, it doesn't. It does. But it sounds like something so familiar, as in like the piece it itself. It sounds like the beginning to no, hang stop, around. Stop, stop. So I don't know if it's. The, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's because I know this song already and I heard it and I was like, that sounds like something. But it's actually this song that it sounds like. Anyway, let's move on. Okay, we already spoke about Dreamin', and then we get the very strange section of this album. You know what's funny? Before we get into this, I actually like how this album is sequenced a lot. Uh, To start with Troublemaker, which is a banger, then you get the super experimental, then you get the sort of emotional, whether or not you like the song. Uh, then you get the emotional? Heart songs. Oh, you're missing Pork and Beans. Oh, I'm sorry. Pork and Beans, the big hit single, then you get the heart songs, then you get a fucking weird song, but then you get (laughs) basically the start of side B is Dreamin', which is so cool. Yeah. And then... Between the bookend of that and Angel and One, you let the other members play. And also in Dreamin', Brian has his own moments to shine. So you already kind of bleed into, oh, there's going to be another vocalist. And then right right after that, you get Thought I Knew by Brian, who both wrote this and sang this. And he wrote this for his band, The Relationship, but it was in a minor key. And I guess he changed it to a major key for this for whatever reason. There are moments. Totally. Moments. As in, I'm sorry it had to end up like this. That melody and those chords are really nice. I also like when he goes, not a single damn thing was true. Yeah, and I like the chorus in general. Too bad that Brian, I don't like his voice. No, I mean, I didn't even get this out in Dreamin', but he sounds like he's about to pop on, (laughs) I am running through the meadow. Don't, Don't disrespect Dreamin' like that. Dreaming as a whole is a good song, but he kind of ruined parts of that. Uh, yeah, the bridge chords, like, there's some cool songwriting stuff, attempts, but as a whole, it's like a fine song, and I agree. Brian's just not a good lead singer. It's just sad because I think Pat's voice is awesome, and he could lead a band. I actually will get into the next song. I like Scott's voice, too. I don't like Brian's voice, and it's just a bummer that... He has an okay song on here that's kind of ruined by his wine. I can't even, I guess we're going into the next song, Cold Dark World, which was written by Rivers and Scott. I don't know how much Scott actually wrote. Scott supposed, wrote the bass Because supposedly it came out of some exercise he would do to warm up. Like well, think just, about it. No, I get it. But like, yeah. is that the writing credit? So right. let's just say this was written by Rivers. Uh, you're saying you like his voice better. When you listen to the song King... The B side, amazing song. His voice, he he's got like a uh, 
Stone Temple Pilots kind of sound to Ooh, his that's voice. A good, that's you know a good what call. I mean? Yes, yes, yes. But this song is ass. This song is ass. Don't even. Are you surprised at me saying that? This I'm song a little is, surprised. This song is so bad, so bad. Lyrically, this is a fucking train wreck. Just the lyric, if you need loving, I'll be here to sex you, is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. Um, oh my God. I like the groove. I think it's a good groove. I think Pat is doing a really cool drum thing. And it's just I, so not enough to save the song. To me, it's got a nice, it's, it's a dark hip hop vibe that they're playing with that they did on Troublemaker. Uh, I like it here. This chorus is so bad. But I love when he goes, I'm gonna be there. It's like, I love as that with vocal all, line. As with all songs that I consider extremely shitty, there are little things you can pick out. I really find the song to be ass, ass. Song Fair enough. Ass. Fair enough. And we already spoke about Automatic and the closer Angel and the One, and that was Red Album. What a wild ride So it as is. I was saying earlier, when we were talking about Red Album, they ha- this is some of their best songs. Greatest Man That Ever Lived. Angel and the One. Pork and Beads is one of their best singles ever. Yes, agreed. And then you have, I'm considering, honestly, all three heart songs, Everybody Get Dangerous and Cold Dark World are some of the worst songs they've ever come wow. out with. Well, I've got uh, an album for you. It's called Ratitude, and we're about to talk about it. Coming up next. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Top 5 Disco, part six in our in-depth discussion, dissection, debate, and analysis of Weezer's entire discography. Now that we've discussed the band's weird and wild sixth record, The Red Album, tune in next week where we explore their radically pop and radically ridiculous seventh album, Ratitude. But before that, we want to know your thoughts, your opinions, and your personal top fives for Weezer. What are your top five favorite songs on The Red Album and why? Is The Greatest Man That Ever Lived the greatest song they ever wrote? Should Rivers really have let the other band members write and sing? Did the experiment of this album work, or is it just a mess? Reach out and let us know. You can support us and help Top 5 Disco grow simply by subscribing to this podcast so you can get the new episodes as soon as they come out. And you can find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Top 5 Disco for behind-the-scenes goodies and an easy way to connect. Also, rating and reviewing Top 5 Disco on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen is always appreciated. And don't forget to tell your music-loving friends and family all about us. Thank you so much again for listening. Tune in next time. And remember, it's really all disco.